when one perfects their uh, sadhana, once how they you know take birth again and enter into Krishna Leela, like do they just you know we had the term go back to Godhead, but I know there's so much more to that take birth in the past time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, um, in the Bhagavat we find the example of Narada in the first canto and how a spiritual body was bestowed upon him by Krishna hmm, directly, which included his vina as part of his swarup. Hmm. And um, that's an important um, section or, or, or verse or two, one of which, um, and there are a number of them, that uh, shed light on the fact that a form, a body, if you will, and a mind, and so on, um, are uh, required for serving in any leela. In Nard's position, of course, um, he is an example in the Bhagavatam of Vaidhi Bhakti. He's a devotee of Krishna. All the principal speakers and all the principal questioners in the ongoing narrative of the Bhagavatam, that's narratives within narratives and so forth, are all devotees of Krishna. If you study them, you see Krishna is their Ishtadevata. But in the case of Narada, um, he's more preoccupied with Krishna in, in Dwarka hmm, and uh, in a Vaidhi Bhakti orientation. Of course, he goes everywhere. He's a special, as Prabhupada maybe referred to him, transcendental spaceman. But um, he received a spiritual body. Hmm? Well, his Bhakti reached maturity, and this was bestowed upon him. So I'm just making this point as a prelude to uh, answering the specifics of your question, that the spiritual body is bestowed. It's stated there. There's a number of places it's stated. It's constituted of Krishna Swarup Shakti. Hmm? It is the very form of Prem. Then hmm? your Prem will be Prem in general, but then there's specifics to it, right? So it's a specific form that corresponds with your, your Prem. It's a, the, the full face and form of your bhakti, and you, of course, receive the bhakti from bhaktas. So, by good association, we get bhakti, we cultivate that bhakti that we get, that's not in us, but comes from sadhusanga, and it's going to come from sadhusanga um, in a particular form, obviously, the form in which the sadhu who most influences us um, is himself or herself um, absorbed in that bhakti or under the influence of the sarup shakti. So that's going to come to us, make ingress into us. It takes the form of sadhana bhakti and matures. Sadhana bhakti is the bhakti we perform with our senses. Hmm? or we should say, the form of bhakti in which bhakti uses our senses. Hmm? And when 
that stage is completed, then the emotive component of bhakti becomes um, fully manifest. So this is called bhava bhakti. So the same things are going on in sadhana bhakti, like dancing and raising the hands and chanting and so forth. But the driving force behind that is in sadhana bhakti is not ecstasy or bhava. It, it, it may be our material emotions that we throw into bhakti hmm, to give ourselves fully in, in terms of our emotional whatever content, give your heart to bhakti, and that's appropriate. And bhakti enables us to do that, which is beautiful about bhakti. It enables us to apply ourselves emotionally in the context of spiritual practice, of sadhana. Comparatively, yoga and jnana as spiritual paths or tapas, they don't really afford us the opportunity to do that. They more or less tell us that the mental, emotional experiences are uh, basically the ups and downs, the waves of material um, um, life in the ocean of material existence, the Bhava Sindhu, and the ideal is to, is to stop those waves because they're making you seasick, going up and going down, up and down, and so forth. So to stop it. So there's not an opportunity in those forms of sadhana to really apply ourselves emotionally. I mean, we, we give ourselves, you give yourself sincerely, uh, but... Prayerfully implies bhakti component, and so so sometimes you'll you'll find that kind of language and whatnot. But unto itself, in other words, those paths don't really have the same afford the same capacity for us to engage our emotional reality in a in a practice. So you know, to sing a song and and um, uh, well, anyway, the whole. I've often said that the Krishna person, deity, uh, form of the Godhead, is so um, um, close to us, so dear to us. So because he, his lila, for example, allows, it touches every emotional aspect of our. Of our being, and we are emotional beings, purely speaking, um, and potentially spiritually as well. So the, the point is that if, if you, you hear the Krishna Leela, you hear something, and he did this, and and uh, Radha wouldn't let him into the kunja, and, and we laugh, and because because we know what that might be like. Um, we have some experience, like he said this to his friends, and. And uh, you know he's lifting up the Govardhan Hill, and they said you need some help, and they're lifting up their sticks, and all these th- these kind of stories we connect with. They just like really naturally and spontaneously we're we're there, we're connected with him, because why? He's like us. We get it, we get it. And so this is the beauty. One 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 part of the beauty of the Krishna conception of Godhead that as much as we're emotional beings, we have a form of the Godhead that through his leelas, we are able to, by hearing about them, connect emotionally in every way with him. 
in Christianity, they have the Jesus died on the cross, and um, Mel Gibson made a movie about it. I didn't see it, but I heard people. A lot of people came away with like feeling guilty and and uh, driven to, you know, apply themselves in Christianity because Christ did this for us. He died on the cross, and you know, don't you think you should, you know, do this? Something like that. That's a material emotion too. You know, some fear, or guilt, or something like that. So there's the same concept, the same principle is there, but it's fully developed in the Krishna conception of Godhead. I mean, to the extreme, right? The whole gamut of material emotions. Hmm? Um. <coughs> so, as we progress in Sadhana Bhakti, and we graduate really from Sadhana Bhakti, which comes at the point of attachment to Krishna. You see, attachment is the, I often say, our my defines our I to a large extent. So I say it's my country, I am an American. It's my car, I am that kind of person who you know drives that kind of car. And, uh, our attachments... Hmm? Uh, define us. Hmm? Hmm? And of course, we're attached to things that we can't keep, so the I that, that arises from that is not sustainable. Hmm? That's the problem of material existence. But the point is that an identity does arise out of attachments. Prabhupada used to say that consciousness is the platform of attachment. This is kind of what he meant. Hmm? Hmm? So we're attached materially then an identity forms. And so there's a point in Sadhana Bhakti where the attachment is all for Krishna. It's specific, arising as it does out of a specific taste in the stage of Ruchi. Hmm? Um, And a corresponding then object that, that corresponds with that taste, that Bhakti, is Krishna as a, as, as a, as a cowherd boy. Krishna as the son of Yashoda, Krishna as the lover of Radha. These are the identities of Krishna. I've said before, you've heard me say, that Krishna has three identities, really, in the Braj. He's the son of Nanda and Yashoda, he is a cowherd boy, and he is the lover of of the gopis, Gopi Janabalaba. These are three principal sentiments. Dasya Bhakti is also there, in Goloka, but it's tinged with, with Sakya. Hmm? So therefore, Brahma said, Ho Bhagyam, Ho Bhagyam, Nanda Gopa Bhajopasham, Yan Mitram Paramanandam, Puna Brahma Sanatanam. Everybody here, he's a friend of everybody here. Friendship is the entry level, so to speak. And it nicely, beautifully, it extends throughout the whole range of the sentiments um, in, in the Braj. In other words, there's there's, friend, there's servitude fr- tinged with sakya. And there's sakya tinged with servitude. And there's sakya tinged with matsalya. And there's sakya that is also influenced by madhurya. Hmm? And so it's the center and then it goes to both ends of the, uh, of the spectrum as well. If we're Brahma call it the land of, land of friendship, something like that. Hmm? Um, but 
three, but but it, it, then technically speaking, also it's one of the centers. So you, and you have the Bhagavatam, you have chapters, four or five chapters. Really, the Kaliya Lila comes after the Danikasur Lila in the Bhagavatam, but that's not its chronological order. Hmm? All the chapters in the Bhagavatam, many of them are in chronological order, but not all of them. Hmm? And Jiva Goswami explains that. that uh, I believe in the Krishna Sandarbha that Sukadeva Goswami was speaking as it came to him according to his ecstasy. And so everything's not in chronological order. And leave it to Jiva Goswami to put it in chronological order for us uh, in, the, in Krishna Sandarbha, Gopal Champu, and so forth, as he's done. And so the Kaliya Lila, you can understand it. In Denukasura Lila, Krishna becomes uh, a. a, a he enters into his Boganda Leela and his Kishore Leela, really. Hmm? He's his Sesh Boganda, the end of his Boganda, his, his boyhood. Kumar is the childhood, Boganda is the boyhood, Kishore is the adolescence. Hmm? So uh, that 15th chapter is very beautiful because uh, it understood properly. It begins with Krishna in a number of verses glorifying Balaram. Hmm? And there's different ways to look at that, but from the way I'm speaking about it now, the reason he's glorifying Balaram is because he's going to leave a good number of the cowherd boys with Balaram hmm? while he goes off and with some cowherd boys whose sake is mixed, is influenced, I should say, with, uh, with Madhurya. He's going to go with them to Shamkund and the, the, the midday pastimes that involve Krishna's romantic life with the gopis and go there as assistants and so forth. And there's one verse there that, that uh, in a hidden way, uh, says that. So he's got to, you know, glorify the idea of staying with Balaram while he makes an excuse. Unfortunately, something has come up and I'm going to have to take a break from the group. Um, I could use a little help and so a couple of, you know, zillion cowherd <laughs> friends are selected there's no, no limit there and uh, and you have to see it like this it's not like we can only explain it in a kind of a you know three dimensional sense and then we start to wonder how is there enough space and there's enough space for unlimited number of Priyanarmasakas or Priyasakas or Manjaris whatever may be the case hmm? and while the Bhagavatam speaks about a certain number and this one and that one went and it means the bhava goes. This bhava is there, hmm? Hmm. and uh, so plenty of room for that. So, so at any rate, then it, it, this this chapter ends. Of course, the fifteenth chapter ends. It kind of ends the Sakyarasa center of the Bhagavatam that began with the eleventh, what, twelfth chapter, Agasura. 13th chapter, the, the, the picnic, the kill, actual killing of Agasura, the slaying of Agasura, uh, 12, 13, 14, Brahma's reaction to it all. Hmm. And then the 15th, he's a cow, he's a, he's a, he's a, 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 a calf herder at this time. Hmm. He has not become a cow herder. He's at the Sesh Kumar, the end of his Kumar Leela, and just starting to get out and about. And, and um, so he's herding the calves. Brahma stole calves not cows. Hmm? And, and then we enter into the 15th chapter after Brahma's prayers, and Krishna has this time become a cowherd boy. Hmm? 
So now he gets to go out with the cow. So it's a full pogonda. And the, in brief, this chapter takes us from the pogonda to the Kishore Leela of Krishna. And it ends with Krishna coming back and exchanging glances with with the gopikas and, and and so on. And then we enter into the Kaliya Leela. So you can understand that chronologically the Kaliya Leela has to be before the Agasura Leela because... Krishna is um, younger then, and he's a calf herder still. Hmm. So anyway, I've gone on a bit of a tangent here, but these chapters, really the 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16, and put 16 in the position of 11, chronologically, something like that, and you have this Sakyarasa center of the Bhagavatam. Then there's the 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 Vatsalya Rasa center of the Bhagavatam, the chapters concerning the the Dhamadar Leela. Hmm? There's uh, how many? Three, four chapters covering this quite extensively. Krishna's uh, stealing the the Mukmadiya uh, Soda, putting him down, and there's a, a, pre- a chapter that pre- prefaces that where Krishna's stealing butter and yogurt from other people's houses and then the ladies are complaining and so forth and and so mother sort of is not denial about it to them but to her husband she complains neighbors are saying he's going you know to other houses and stealing and you're the king of the coward community and what kind of milk are you providing that your milk is not good of course the truth is that milk stolen tastes better than you know milk that's not there's some added, you know, feature to that uh, for a young, 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 young lad, and so anyway. So there, there's several chapters there hmm? that uh, it's constitute the Bhatsali Rasa Center, and then there's the, of course the the center of the centers, the the Madhurya Rasa Center, the five chapters of the Rasa Leela, hmm? and this is the, the, the Madhurya Rasa Center. So these are the these are the three identities, really, if you think about it, of Krishna. In 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 the brudge, <clears throat> uh, and um, so attachment to Krishna will develop based on our association, our application of ourselves in relation to the to the teachings and the, the guidance we've received. That will result in a taste, and the taste will be specific, and it will have. The corresponding object. If the object of our attachment, mm-hmm, we cannot arrive at an attachment, a specific attachment to Krishna in a particular way, as Gopijana Balaba, as Govinda, as Krishna, mm-hmm, in Madhurya, in Sakya or Vatsali Rasa. Um, that specific attachment cannot be arrived at unless the taste that comes in Ruchi is also specific. So, this is a, a difference between the taste that you get sometimes that that doesn't endure, which makes it different from the stage of ruchi. Hmm? Um, but in another sense, it's different because it's generic. Hmm? I feel blissful. I like it. It's it's. I feel naturally drawn, but it's not it's not refined, condensed, specific, and and and. and to an, uh, an extent that it can produce attachment to the corresponding object, hmm? a specific kind of love, and 
and Krishna appears with certain qualities that are prominent to the devotee. So this is asakti. And so as you become attached to Krishna in this final stage of sadhana, what happens? Well, as I said, we have an eye that's based on our attachments. Hmm? This false eye, right? Hmm? False ego. We think I'm a woman, I'm a man, I'm an Indian, American, I'm the son of so-and-so. And so. These are all based on attachments, this I. So, the stage of Asakti, it's a nice, it's a beautiful stage. Beautifully, beautifully Bhakti Vinod has sung about it. Anadi karma kole, bhavanar nabajale. It's very typical of our Paribara. Hmm? Bhaktivinoda is writing about the writing poem song, putting into song the stage of asakti, which is means attachment to Krishna, and he's singing about it in in opposite way by speaking about the nature of material attachment. Anadi karma pole bhajale. I've been in the ocean of material existence since time without beginning. Anadi karma. And all my, I've had all these attachments. This, so he's basically saying, attachment to Krishna in the stage of asakti means to not have any attachment for anything in material life. The two don't, you know, work work together or something like that. He describes it, if you will, in a negative way, what it, in the marginal way. Hmm? The principal way means attached to to Krishna in a specific way, and marginally it can be described as. It's principally it's this, and marginally it's described. It's not this. It's not that. Hmm? It makes it a nice distinction in this way. So, but at any rate, the point is what that just as we have an eye that surfaces and arises based on our material attachment, when our attachment is for Krishna, a certain eye will also manifest hmm? certain identity, right? Then we enter into Bhava Bhakti. Now, in the case of Narada, he was bestowed his identity. Hmm? Um, his bhakti culminated, he was bestowed his identity, and there he was, he was complete. But that, again, is an example of Vaidhi Bhakti. So if you want to go to Vaikuntha, you can practice, you can get a spiritual body and go there. But if you want to go to the Brajalila of Krishna, then that's that's not the way. Hmm? You know that Lakshmi wanted to enter into the, the Brajalila and experience the Rasa dance, and she couldn't do that. Hmm? She tried to do that. She couldn't do that. And the reason she couldn't do it is because she didn't follow the way. Her way was when she went She went to the Braj, took off her bangles and her silk dress, and gave up her uh, royal diet and whatnot, and just ate fruits and roots, and, and did tapasya, austerity. It's a big thing for Lakshmi, right? You know, to do aust- <laughs> do austerities and and so forth, and and it was enough to make Krishna appear and say, Lakshmi, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. She said, I want to enter into your you know the Rasa dance. He said, Well, that's fine. You're welcome, but that's not the way to do that. You can't go. You know, that's not the way. Hmm? What is the way? He said, Well, it's easy. I mean, comparatively. <laughs> What you have to do is you, you don't have to do all these fasting, all intense austerity, and so forth. You simply have to um, give up your husband, Narayan, in Baikuntha. 
you have to marry somebody in the Braj, and then you have to give him up secretly, and then you can enter it. And that was too much for her spiritual identity to die to just because she had an identity. Of course, she is a partial manifestation of Radha, you know, serving Krishna in the form of Narayan and so forth. The most chaste she's thought to be. But we question her chastity because she wanted to go with Krishna. When Mahabharata brought this up to Venkata in South India, he said, that's not a problem. Don't think that's wrong. Hmm? You're a young sannyasi. I, you, maybe you may have misunderstood, but Krishna and Narayan, they're same. Hmm? From the point of view of Tattva, they're both God. So the fact that Lakshmi wants to go with Krishna it doesn't bring her chastity into question. Hmm? Mahabharata said, oh, that's good. I'm glad to know that. But, <laughs> then he said, but my next question is, how come she couldn't? She wanted to enter the Rasa, but she, how come she could not? And then, then Venkanta fe- he fainted when he heard that. He said, only, only someone who knows the answer to that could ask the question. I mean, even the question is bewildering to me, how you could come up with it. What a th- deep theological question. And his theological um, spectrum didn't have an answer for that. There is no answer for that. It's not a question that you can ask in Vaikuntha. All questions cannot be answered there. <laughs> this is like off the map. What? What? How come she could? We couldn't. That didn't even enter their, you know, space. Hmm? So another world is required for answering that question. Hmm? And of course, there's a method to get there, and she didn't follow the method, and and we wouldn't expect her to. But her question. But there, her chastity is in question because. Unlike Lakshmi, who is the wife, chaste wife of Narayan, who wanted to consort with Krishna, Radha is completely chaste to Krishna. We never see any desire in her to consort with Narayan. <laughs> so she is the most chaste Lakshmi of Lakshmis. You follow? <laughs> so the Braj Leela is very peculiar. It's um, and it's the course. There's the focus of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, hmm? and um, it in many ways turns the religious world upside down. Hmm? Um, I said the other day, for example, the idea that it's better to be in in the the karmic realm in samsara than in, in, in merged into Brahman. That's the perspective of the Gaudias. That's like what are we talking about? Uh, the whole goal in the karma marg is to is to is to get mukti, and I'm using the word mukti in terms of brahma sayuja merging into brahman. Hmm? Um, the descent could hold true for all types of mukti, hmm? short of the braj prem, because if you're in Vaikuntha and that's what you got, that's what you got. Hmm? There's nobody coming there to canvas and say, you know, come join the braj lila here. Hmm? Lakshmi tried it, and she was unsuccessful. There's a certain ego, a spiritual ego, an identity, a stayibhav, that that doesn't change. Hmm? Hmm. We see, just to make that point, underscore that, underscore that point, there are prominent examples. Uddhava came to the Braj. He was inspired by the gopis. He wanted the, intent, the intensity of their love to manifest in the context of his own dominant emotion for Krishna. Hmm? 
Not that he, he didn't want to become a gopi. So, stahibhavas means that you love Krishna in a particular way. Maybe if you become inspired by another a devotee in another compatible rasa, then that rasa will become an udipana for your rasa. It will become a, a, like what anurasa. It follows in, in the wake of yours and, and causes yours to reach a level of intensity and intimacy that it wouldn't unto itself. Something like that. Hmm. This is this is what happens to the coward boys who are, have their love influenced by Madhurya Rasa. Hmm. They don't become gopis, hmm. but their their Sakya Rasa is influenced by the Madhurya. They like they become attracted to it. They desire it. Vishwanath hmm. Thakur has used the term. They desire that. Hmm. But this desire in the context of what they already are, so so they be, are able to be sympathetic and empathetic to the leelas and uh, participate thereby. They get some sensibilities about it that you know the younger friends usually don't you know come up blank on that one. You know, when your f- friend asks you about someone who was with a group of. Uh, um, Hindus the other day, and and uh, one lady was telling the story how her son was real tight with these three other boys, and and then uh, one day she asked, you know, that she had packed some food and sent it, and she always asked how the boys liked it, you know. So, and she asked, how did so and so like it? And said, well, he wasn't there. Oh, he wasn't there. Where was he? Well, he's he's not around as much anymore. You know, he's he's found a. He's with, you know, her. <laughs> and, oh, uh, and and um, so that, you know, that went on for a few times, talking, you know, how so-and-so? Well, we don't see him that much anymore, you know. And, uh, and then um, at one point the boy said, uh, but he seems happier. <laughs> <laughs> but then it went on a little longer, and then, and then she asked about, how's he doing? He said, yeah, he's back. <laughs> he said it was too high maintenance, she said. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> so at that point, anyway, the point is that her son, who was part of the group of four, didn't have the ability to you know, enter into, like, he's off our chart here, you know. He's uh, in another realm, hmm? So some of the Krishna's friends have that capacity. Is the point? So, so uh, the Brajlila, uh, a place you know, unto its unto itself, and and the and the way to go there. It's a secret place. Um, so, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is coming and revealing the method for entering there. He's opening the gates to that that place. That's on that. To emphasize the point, it's unknown in Vaikuntha. It means they just don't have any... Their frame of reference just doesn't allow the God to to be like he is in Golok. There's a semblance of that that Narayan shows on Krishna Janamastami in Vaikuntha. Hmm? And they witness it. They don't participate in it. And it's 
it's something about him, but it, but he remains the God of God. This is just an aspect of him, this Brajlila. But that there, that there's a, that there's a realm that you could enter into and have a relationship with God, like they do in the Braj. It's just unheard of in Vaikuntha. It's unheard. Of. This just to serve to underscore what kind of you know good news. Mm-hmm. Um, what is Bhaktivinoda saying? Sukar, Sukar, Kabor, Boro Sukar, Kabor, Bhai, Boro Sukar. Boro Sukar, Sukar means like happy news. Boro Sukar, Kabor, good news, my brothers, sisters, good news. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's come and gave me this secret of, of Shreta Dweep, of Golok, available. And here's the method that we were saying the other day. Harinam is, is the method. Hmm. Chanting is the method included within that, so to speak, is smarna, which will come out of that. Hmm. And so we didn't go into that too much yesterday, but um, at any rate, it's a special path. And so unlike Narada, who was given the spiritual body and immediately began to, to function in it, hmm? the um, way to the Brajalila is that having completed the course, if you will, of sanana bhakti, hmm, you then complete the course of bhava bhakti. And completing the course of bhava bhakti, we call that surup siddhi. Hmm? So the bhava bhakti is the culture of the emotive component of bhakti. Hmm? And when it matures, this emotive, spiritually emotive body, because it's a spiritual body that is focused on Krishna, or excuse me, it's, a, it's bhakti, it's consciousness focused in bhakti on Krishna, so it, it creates spiritual emotion, gives rise to spiritual emotions and a form, a form of spiritual emotion. So when it's mature, then the swarup siddhi, it's called, this stage, and then, um, then one is now in a suitable position to take birth in Krishna Leela, hmm? is the idea. Hmm? Yeah, it's an interesting concept um, hmm, to think about, to take birth in Krishna Leela, because the historicity of Krishna Leela itself is something that's kind of like questionable and from an empiric point of view the different ways to think about that obviously and the empiric view of the world is like I was saying could be not much more than a chimpanzee's for us so uh, we should be a little minded about what the possibilities are and, and so forth but the main point of the idea that one has to take birth in the Leela is that one has to get association further in order that the, the, the Staibhav of Sakya or Madhurya for example can develop in terms of its full potential from Sneha Man, Pranay, Rag, Anurag Bhav, Mahabhav so these are developments of Staibhav and they'll correspond with different Rasas where it will go there's no Man for example 
or jealous love in, in, in Sakya or in, in Vatsali, but there is in Madhurya, so it's a development. Pranay, there's no pranay in Vatsalya and in uh, and, 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 and Dasya, but there is in Sakya and in Madhurya. So, relative to your Stahibhav, then this will be refined hmm, by association. Hmm. So this is the principle. However you want to think about it, hmm, that there, are, you know, there's a multiverse, so there's millions of universes, and Krishna's appearing somewhere. Sometimes it's spoken about like that. Hmm? If you have trouble with that intellectually, you don't have to think of it like that. But you think of the principle hmm? that you have to get association with that that bhava, hmm? uh, with those who's, who who in the lila, hmm? um, and uh, and then as it develops then you go from what's called Swarup Siddhi to Vastu Siddhi. Hmm? So the, the, the way it's described, uh, for the help, the sake of us getting a handle on it, that the Krishna Leela appears in the world and for the purpose of those sadhakas who have, whose sadhana has reached a certain pitch that they can't go on without meeting the object of their love. He comes for them. He doesn't come alone. And so those who he comes with are very capable helpers to help us go the distance. And the example, of course, is there of the sadhakas, the sadhanasiddhas, the prasanapad Upanishads, the sages of Dandakaranya, took birth in the Leela, Krishna performed, the, you know, played the flute at, at, in the Sarat Purnim. Gopis came. Some gopis were checked. They couldn't come. Their husbands wouldn't let them come. These were sadhana siddhas hmm, who entered the Leela. And the, they had to go through some other measure of separation that, as it said, makes the heart grow fonder, that intensified their bhava hmm, to the point that in a later time they could meet him. That's in uh, uh, that uh, meeting with Uddhava. Then, if, if you study the Bhagavatam, you see, oh, they met him then, there. Hmm? It, it sounds like, on its face, that, 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 that they died, hmm? but that would have ruined the whole Leela. If some gopis couldn't come and they died, the party would have been like, oh, goodness, so that's not what happened. And there's no death there. But they, the death to anything in them that um, was still um, an obstacle to their entering the Leela not necessarily a material obstacle, but the refinement of their stayibhav and their 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 identity, their subtle kind of refinement. And this requires that kind of hands on uh, association it would as it's as it's taught. Hmm. And um Thakur describes it as they reach a certain stage, the Panchatattva appears before them hmm. in their practice. Hmm. The whole Panchatattva blesses them, and they die, and they take birth in the in the Krishna Leela. So it's another way of saying they go to the Gore Leela, and then from there, it's another way to think about it also. Enter the Gore Leela, go into the courtyard of Sri Vas, and Mahaprabhu says, and you are Subhavo, friend of Krishna, something like this. My friend in another Leela. So this is different than... Um, any other form of mukti, whether Vaishnava or monistic mukti, 
And the, the whole emphasis is the sangha, the association, even in the aftermath, if you, even in the perfection. Hmm? It's all about, as I've said before, the gyan mark, we progress by detachment. Yoga mark, we make progress by bhairagya, by detachment. Hmm? And in bhakti mark, it's just the opposite. We make progress by attachment. Hmm? It's said in the Bhagavatam by Kapila to his mother that the same attachment that we have for ordinary people when transferred to a saintly person, that same attachment that is the cause of our bondage when, trans- to, when transferred to a saintly person becomes the cause of our um, um, uh, liberation. Hmm? So we progress by sangha, sadhu sangha. Hmm? Um, it's a very wholesome idea, a very positive type of approach to removing the negative influences because it removes the negative influences in a powerful way and at the same time um, gives rise to a positive influence that that unto ourselves we don't have within us. Bhakti's not there, it's, it's given to us. Hmm? Um, so like this, Swarup Shakti has the power to to not only dispel the influence of maya, but to overwhelm Krishna. Indeed, Krishna is the absolute overwhelmed by bhakti, overwhelmed by the Swarup Shakti. So if this Swarup Shakti makes ingress into our lives, hmm, form of bhakti, through the Gaudiya Parampara, we have some very powerful um, influence at our uh, disposal to deal with the, uh, the predicament, number one, of birth and death, and we give rise to a prospect hmm, without that without which without that influence we wouldn't we wouldn't have unto ourselves. You know, in other words, if you just clear off the Maya influence, you're not gonna find a gopi there. Hmm, and start dancing. It's not like that. So that's some positive prospect, some nourishment from that side. As I often say, we have our, our of a nature that lends itself to nurture. We're now malnurtured. By the by, the influence of the Maya Shakti, hmm? so we can fast, or we can eat, you know, the right kind of food, something like that. Hmm? And bhakti means to eat the right kind of food in the, in the, in the metaphor that I'm using to explain the the, the point. So. It's. Uh, I think these are underlying, you know, the, the principles that uh, it's an emphasis on sadhu sangha and and the collective nature, if you will, of the bhakti um, experience. There is attachment amongst devotees for one another. It's a very cool thing, if you will, because in gyan mark and yoga mark, that's not allowed. Brahmacharya is 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 an anga, a limb of jnana and of yoga. It's not a limb of, of bhakti, just to give, give you an example. If there's brahmacharya, then there's no, that's it. You know, there's no family, and family is usually the closest circle of one's attachment. Hmm? And so, um, but in bhakti, then, it's like the Catholics, make babies, and what, you know, Used to be their policy. <laughs> uh, grow the religion here, something like that. So, but uh, 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 I, I'm speaking about a, a very sacred, high idea, 
rather profane way, forgive me, but uh, the idea is that in bhakti you can have friends because what, this is the whole, after Krishna, Rupa Goswami explains the Stavibhavs, the Bhav chapter of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, and how they are all centered on Krishna, there's an afterthought that comes, and that is, what about those who, everybody, everybody here, all the Vatsali Rasa Bhaktas, all the Sakya Rasa, Madhuri Rasa, they're all centered on Krishna, all the love is centered on Krishna. Sounds great. And then the thought is, well, how do they relate to one another? Hmm? They're all relating to Krishna, but how do they relate to one another? Hmm? And this is called Surit. Hmm. Hmm. Surit Rati. Surit means the friend, so love of the friend. It is a, it is a, a, a we call it sanchari bhav, while there's a stai bhav, the dominant bhav that defines one as a friend, as a lover, as a parent of Krishna. There are auxiliary bhavas that, that, that influence that and uh, augment it. Hmm? And so the relationship with the friends is a, there amongst other devotees. In other words, the relationship between other devotees is a stai bhav, or excuse me, is a sanchari bhav. Of course, now, as sadhakas, we don't have any bhav. But the principle still holds that you can have friends in bhakti, they can help you, and that's what a friend is, that they help you to remember Krishna, to serve Krishna. You can go hand in hand and serve Krishna rather than march off naked to the Himalayas today. So it's more user-friendly because there are more friends. <laughs> Otherwise, in these other paths, there's no room for any friends or any companion. Hmm. Um, so it's a collective type of uh, experience. There's a multiplicity. Hmm. There have to be others, and they have to be indifferent while they are the same. There have to be differences. That's very much like the world we live in. So it's very friendly. That's the why, why when the... the Braj people asked Krishna, what will we be in our next life? He showed them, Golok. And they saw, everything's the same. That's what we hope would be something like that. Now, you know, that's very different than merging in Brahman, you know, or even Shantarasa in, in meditation on, on, on Paramatma, on Narayan, in Yogamard. Very, very, very different and very world-like. That's why it's not called adhoksaja. Adhoksaja means like beyond our experience, our central mental and intellectual experience. It's it's really different. It's really another world. To describe the bhakti ideal in in, in, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we don't use the word adhoksaja. That refers to vaikuntha, where, for example. There are people with four hands and, and so forth. We don't have any experience like that. It's a way, among other things, of saying it's different. Believe me. It's, it's like, whoa. But the term used to describe the Brajlila and the Braj ideal of Prem is Aprakrita. Pra- Aprakrita means it's, it's like the, the, the material world. It's just like it, but it's that awe in front of it makes it entirely different. Aprakrita. It's like it in all way of, of appearance. Hmm? Um, it's the full range of emotional experience, 
There's variety, there's different people, just like we are now. Hmm? In other words, from our perspective, our material life tells us much about our the nature and prospect of our enlightened life. And so, that sounds good. Hmm? Um, now, of course, in the case of Krishna's devotees, they're all perfect devotees, so that's not like, I'm going to go there with the Ritviks or something. They're not going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> but developed devotees. So the, the, po- the point is but the, the, that as we uh, you know, experience life materially, hmm, so we will experience Krishna consciousness with one center. Uh, Krishna's, which, which is varied, but it's one. It's the pleasure of Krishna's senses instead of the pleasure of my senses. Hmm? And everybody agrees. So, well, it's, well, material life is the pleasure of your senses and the pleasure of my senses. That's a problem. But if all of our pleasure is the pleasure of one person's senses and that person has the capacity to receive hmm, unlimitedly, that is what we mean by Krishna. So it's a very uh, nice idea. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it, it, it says, as I say, that our condition, materially conditioned life speaks to us about our potential. Hmm? I mean, there's something that holds us here, right? We can give you the gyan that you're not the body, but in one sense, it's not very attractive. If I just stop there, you're not the body. What am I? You are consciousness. What is consciousness? It's the ground of being. Okay. Can I go to the ball game? You know, or what about what about you know the concert? Or you know, there's none of that there. It's just bliss. What do you mean? Just this is my bliss. I, you know, I do these things. The problem with the bliss is that it doesn't continue. That's all. Hmm? Uh, it's it's not enduring, and, and, and something like that. Uh, so, it's in one way, it's very unappealing. Hmm. It's very unappealing. Material nature provides us with something that, w- without which, something about ourself, information about ourself, without which we wouldn't know. Hmm. Again, we're Satchitananda, That's true. So if I tell you, you are Satchitananda, that sounds pretty cool. But, but you are also a doer, and a qualitative experiencer, an apprehender. But again, as I've said before, these things require an environment to do something in, something to be apprehended, some qualitative experience to be had. Hmm? Without the material nature, without that influence, these aspects of the self that come out when nurtured by a particular environment, it won't come out. So in Brahman, you don't you don't have any experience that you're a doer, a qualitative experiencer. I mean, it's described as just not contentless experience. It's not enjoying bliss. It's contentless experience. So you play it out, and it starts to become pretty unappealing hmm? compared to our present life. Even if it's bad, in that it doesn't endure, better I loved for a minute, anyway, and not at all, and forever. Hmm? Something like that. <laughs> I mean, the, in other words, there's a, there's a, there's a reasonable um, objection, I want to say, to the ideal of Brahma Sayuja, hmm? 
or even in people's voices. Like I did a radio show in Poland when I was there, and I was speaking to the fellow about transcending the human passions and so on and so forth. And then he said, but I mean, you know, what's life without the human passions? I mean, the, the ups and downs of that and so forth. I mean, is it even desirable? I, I had the point he wasn't fully listening to everything I was saying, you know, to, to take it full circle, that in relation to Krishna, these things are all experienced. But it, it's a valid, valid question. Hmm? You, you're giving me some philosophical, abstract idea of what I am, that I'm eternal, and you're weighing in on the fact that my present life is temporary and the problems with that, you know. But I'm going to take, but I have to compare a problematic life in which there are downs and ups, and downs and ups, mm-hmm. and ups, and I'm living for the ups and I'm trying to avoid the downs and, you know, I'm nego- negotiating the landscape and I'm getting a few, I'm doing better on the ups these days, you know. And, and and there's love that, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, they bro- she broke my heart, but I found another one, you know. And it happened again, you know, and they had went away, but I, there's always a chance for following and finding another one. Who knows? Maybe, you know, the perfect one. So you, <laughs> you have, you know, this to put up as, you know, resistance to the idea of not having those ups and downs and it's some, and instead having some undescribable eternity, whatever it is, you can't talk about it. It's abstract, hmm? contentless experience. I mean, what the hell is that? <laughs> contentless, you know, consciousness without any content. Hmm? A blank screen, forever. Hmm? And the bliss of it, if we look carefully, this is what the Goswamis have done, they look carefully and said, what is the bliss of this blank screen anyway? Hmm? What is it? It really, the bliss constitutes not being free from the downs. Hmm? The ups aren't bad, they would keep going, but they don't, so they are really two sides of the same coin, the ups or the downs. So just to, to do away with that. Hmm? And somebody's going to say, I don't know if I want to do away with that. I might want to just stick with it, hmm? rather than just sit there watching a blank screen forever. Hmm? This is a kind of crude way of talking about it, but this is a common objection. And I think you have to go somewhere, you know, to convince somebody, hmm? and unless they're materially exhausted, hmm? Already, uh, which is uh, helps, but it's a hard sell. Mm-hmm. So, then you may speak about it in a broad way, and it may be marketable. But the Goswamis want to look at it closely. Hey, what's this big thing about mukti? Everybody's talking about Dharmartha Kama Moksha, mm-hmm. and they rejected it. The whole Dharmartha Kama is for Moksha. Done right, it ends up in. Motivation for and pursuance of an attainment of moksha, and they they didn't they decided we don't even want it. Hmm? But yeah, there's a problem with material life. But is material life completely distinct from reality? I mean, it is totally. And this is my bad idea. There is no world. Just an imagined thing. It's, there is no objective world because we don't agree with that. Hmm? There's something out there, but. What it is, with the reading of it, is difficult to 
to translate, but there's something out there called called matter. There's jiva maya and guna maya. There's the guna maya, the maya that that the matter is made up of, whatever that is. And then there's jiva maya, the influence it has on the jiva, which is deluding and so forth. Hmm? So anyway, we we acknowledge the maya shakti. Hmm? The maya bodies, for example, they 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 don't. There is no world. Hmm? I mean, that's a hard sell. So the Goswami said, no, there is world, and then here we are applying ourselves in relation to it. It's a particular environment. You're tatasta, so you're in between, and you're of a nature that lends itself to nurture. That's what tatasta means. So if you're in, in relation to the Maya Shakti, you're going to be nurtured in a certain way. You're going to become a doer, which you have the capacity to be, and an experiencer, and an apprehender, gnatvitva, kartvitva, bhoktvitva, in relation to the material nature. The problem is, of course, that the, the, the objects that appear to that we enjoy or, or apprehend and the things that we do, everything's temporary. So it's, it's, it's problematic in that sense. But it's telling us something about our potential. Hmm? So if you replace that material environment, Maya Shakti, with the Sarup Shakti, with Bhakti, then the same potential of the jiva comes out, and you can be a doer, a qualitative experience, an apprehender, a knower, a, uh, an agent of action, hmm? taste bliss. Hmm? Krishna is rasa, and you can taste rasa. Yes, this is the saying of the Upanishad. So, they reason the Goswami, the material world, tells us much about ourselves. It's a great learning example. It's telling us about qualities that in Brahman, the so-called enlightened people, don't know about themselves. They deny. They're in denial of. Hmm? And therefore, now we have complete justification for, we have a very strong case to make. Hmm? Right? You can love. You can have friends. You can love forever. This is just not some fantasy in a world that's made up. I mean, there's a lot of philosophy and underlying this um, whole um, idea that we are what we are and and part of what we are is say a doer, a qualitative experiencer and this is coming out in relation to the environment. So it's very user friendly in other words uh, and that's what the lesson in the Bhagavatam is when Krishna shows the inhabitants of Vrindavan and Golokas and they're just, they're just thrilled about it. Hmm? That sounds great. We get to do what we're doing now, forever. And the more you enter into a bhakti sangha and your friends are bhaktas and you really are uh, using, applying yourself in terms of uh, your sadhaka deha, then the more you are going to bond with one another in the context of bhakti and and, uh, and experience the the collective uh, idea the Bhakti Collective, uh, Sadhu Sangha. It's the root, hmm? the, the janma, the mool, the birth, the root, Chaitanya Charitamrita says, of Bhakti hmm? is Sadhu Sangha. And the same text goes on to say that, that the Sadhu Sangha is the birth and the root of Bhakti and when it's mature, the Sadhu Sangha, the, the, the Bhakti, Sadhu Sangha is also, um, what is the word that's used there? It's mukya. Hmm? It's prominent. Hmm? It's it's a prominent 
uh, feature. It's not something you take up to, to get somewhere to, to give up, something like that. Hmm? So again, we progress by, by sangha, by attachment, rather than by detachment. And, and there's a certain detachment that comes from the attachment to Krishna and to devotees. Detached, if I, uh, you know, I mean, if I have a relationship with a devotee and then somebody doesn't like that devotee then uh, who's a non-devotee, then I'm... Uh, I will avoid him also, her. Hmm? That's the nature of love. Well, there are certain things that, that are not favorable to bhakti. I'll give them up. That's our detachment. It's very kind of minimal in a sense because it's just a byproduct of what we're doing. Attachment to Krishna results in giving up other things that, that have nothing to do with that. Hmm? Um, so... It's a happy, very happy uh, idea. Hmm? That's why Bhakti Vinodhaka said, "Grihete loko loko bhai," hmm? and "Ami jamuna puline kadamba kanane kiheri me sagiaja amashama bangsi dari mani mancha puri." He said, "I." In one verse, he says, "Goloka grihete bhai." Different song. I saw my house. Turn into Goloka Vrindavan. In this other song, Ami Jumunapuri, I stepped out outside. Ami Kulalaj, Braja Braja Raj. Jaji Kulalaj, Braja Braja Raj. Vinota Minotikori. Hmm? He says it a little bit differently there. He says, I stepped out into my backyard hmm? and I saw the Jamuna. Ami Jumunapuline, Kadamba Kanane. And there were Kadamba trees. Hmm? And Bamsi Dhari was there, playing his flute. And different gopis came, attended him. I saw it all, he says. And then he says, Chajigulalaj Prajapajaraj, Vinonatuminotakori. I'm never going back in that house again. He said it differently, but the point, the same thing he's making is just. Mukti, once I asked Prabhupada, Prabhupada, if I keep focusing on distributing your books, by that alone will I become liberated? He said, you are already liberated. You don't know? <laughs> you didn't notice. Yeah, you're not supposed to. You don't have to know. So this is secondary thing. You're doing the things. Hmm? These are liberated activities. You're doing them. You're liberated. And one day you realize, oh, it's just, I'm liberated. It's a, oh, that's a small thing. It's a huge thing in the Gyan Marg or Yoga Marg. You attain liberation. It's, it's just like an incidental thing. And the whole world is now, you were talking about it last night, the whole world is seen from a Krishna conscious perspective. Hmm? What did Vishwanath Chakrati Thakur say? Vishvam Purnam Sukhayate. The whole world becomes an abode of happiness. Everything, everything seen as, as offerable to Krishna. When we were kids, <laughs> this is a little crazy, but it wasn't me, but some of my contemporaries in Sankirtan, they would go out in the vans, you know, and sell books, and they would go into a grocery store, and they would say, Shri Vishnu, Shri Vishnu, Shri Vishnu, you know, it's all offered. <laughs> Everything's offered now, just go grab what you want and, and eat. It's kind of a lower end of, you know, archon. <laughs> so. Just the produce department, yeah. <laughs> 
But it's uh, something, something like this, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> after all, you know, the Maya Shakti, Maya Yoga Maya, this is one. Hmm? So the same energy, probably used to give the example, is used for cooling and for heating. Just a question of turning the button. And the same energy that was heating the house is now cooling the house. So your house was burning down in some sorrow and just, but not changing your activities, but just the change of consciousness. It became a cool and soothing, soothing place. Something like that. A lot of devotees struggle with is there seems to be a, I know you could call it a limbo period or a, you know, some kind of a period of time in your, when you're crossing from material to spiritual where it seems almost like you're crossing a desert because you haven't really gotten enough taste yet for the spiritual and you lost your taste for the material and it can... I've seen devotees actually go into like, you know, kind of depressions and periods of, you know, where it's really a very disconcerting period of that crossing over and they need a lot of support to get through it. Do you have any comments on that? Yeah, I do. There's a couple of ways to think about it. There's, that's one reason why it said a guru should not take too many disciples. Hmm. But then, what does it mean to be a disciple, too? Hmm? You know, Shudamur said, without, cut, without cutting a return ticket. So that's a pretty... Um, strong statement. But if you don't cut a return ticket, it means you, you leave everything behind, come live with the guru. Hmm? Then you've done that side, and then if the guru doesn't have too many people, and he can tender to them, and that's just one way of thinking about it that comes to my mind. But overall, if you take that and play that out, the idea is that 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 it you have to be engaged with your body and your mind and your intelligence. So the intelligence is um, crucial to this point of moving from unsteady bhakti that's based on not having a taste, and that's why it's unsteady, because you don't have a taste and so on. You have a taste for something else, so you get distracted. Hmm? To um, practice that you have a taste, hmm? and so you're drawn naturally by the taste. Hmm? So this intellect is the stage of nishta, which is this kind of this in-between. And by that's why I said Sarvabhoma thought, I'd better counsel the young sannyasin, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, he's only 24 years old, uh, I better give him some very strong logic and philosophical basis, school him in that, that he may stay fixed in his position as a sannyasi, because the world is just offering itself to, to young people. Here, take it, yours, we can, you can, you know, rise as high in the sky of the material prospect as you like, and everybody likes you, you're young, you're desirable, and it's very intoxicating and so forth. So he wanted to like sober him, ground him hmm, philosophically. So I think that we have little experience, hmm, it grounds us, but if, if, if by circumstance our association becomes weak or lacking, and, and, it's, and as a result our practice start to slacken the capacity to get experience, 
is limited, hmm? and then you're left with philosophy. Hmm? You know, what, what, what is, what am I? What's out there, and what's in here? Experiencing what's out there. What is it? And thinking about these things and coming to some, you know, logical, rational conclusions of what I am and why I should pursue uh, bhakti regardless of the fact that the emotive component of bhakti has not, you know, fully kicked in. So there's uh, that stage, it requires that kind of, um, you know, there's an effort to exercise. Everyone doesn't have to be a philosopher, but you have to really be grounded intellectually, committed, intellectually committed, Hmm? And that means understanding the basic arguments that just make it non-negotiable. I mean, you basically know, I know intellectually, and I know from my experience that simply chasing after sense objects is a recipe for frustration. So I just can't make a life out of that. Hmm? That's just like, I mean, even my, I've told a story before, my younger brother came looking for me and I was missing, you know, in action for many years, so to speak, from the material side of things. And so he came to a temple in Chicago, and I wasn't there, but the, the, any devotees were talking to him. Of course, he was my brother, so they were all... I was famous, and so that I, they were excited about that, and they were talking to him, and he said... So they said, what do you think? And after a couple of hours of telling him what we were about, he said, it is as if I painted a picture of my life on a canvas with watercolors, and you have thrown water on it. And it's dissolving. What I thought life could and should be, you're making it look like just what it is. It's 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 not. You know, it's a sandcastle. I built a sandcastle, and you are your talk is the waves that came in. Hmm? Um, so you know, one has to like sit down and think. Well, hmm, what are my alternatives? I don't have a taste for bhakti, but I can't be. I know not only theoretically, but by my experience, I also know. Hmm? There's, there's, there's no prospect for this, so I have to go on. And of course, you know, to be do it happily, you know, we need association. So hmm? one of the things we can do is 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 change change our lives. I mean, lives change all the time. If you don't change your own life, somebody's going to change it for you. You know, you think, I couldn't possibly go there because my husband doesn't want to go, you know, and, and you know, for all you know, in a month your husband's going to go somewhere else and you're going to be alone, you know, and, and, and leave you. I mean, so one has to take charge of their own life, so to speak. And the fact that there are factors that don't enable me to change my life has to be contrasted with the fact that something's going to change your life, whether you like it or not. Hmm? And what are you going to do then? You're going to adapt, you're going to adjust, and you're going to go on. Hmm? So better to consciously make changes based on philosophical and spiritual commitment and so forth that will be conducive to your spiritual growth and, and, and practice because you're not going to avoid ups and downs. And you know, It's going to be, if I go over here, if I go there, you know, just to use an example, there may be many ways to talk about it, it's going to be a problem. We can just think about those problems and let them get in the way and and have a weak, if if it, just a, this is just a particular way of talking about it, an example, if it's 
going to get uh, uh, weaken my practice. You might have to rethink about that. Hmm? Uh, and again, the changes may be troublesome, but you're going to have to go through them anyway. Hmm? Partners are going to leave you. Kids are going to disappoint you. And sometimes they won't. And I mean, it goes both ways, but you're not going to avoid the negative side. That's just not going to happen. Hmm? So if you consciously take on something that may be you know, inconvenient for yourself in the immediate because of an understanding of the prospect and the, and the longer term. I mean, this is just, that's like going to school for God's sake, you know, right? You take time off to go to school so that you can party, no, so that you can, what, so, you get, I don't know, so that you get education and be better prepared to, you know, work in the world and you're putting off something and, I mean, they make it as, you know, fun as it could be, I suppose, but, you know, it's, it's or kids, guys join the army or girls or something like that or whatever it is, some training period. So there's the shreyas and the prayas, the immediate good and the long-term good. And to make changes and undergo struggles for a long-term good is a, is a very intelligent thing to do. So, and by so, and that's a fact that by getting the association, you know, you get it. It, it even if you don't have the taste, if you experience someone who does. It's it's like you know reflective or something like that, and you go away and think, well, that was great. I got lifted from that, and I feel like chanting my rounds this morning, and and so on. So, you know, you have to you have to make those kinds of adjustments and keep in the flow of good association and insights then from the books that you can't get something out of anymore, and then somebody else quote speaks on the verse and you go, oh, I didn't know that was in there and, and that kind of thing. So that's what you have to do. You have to get association. And you have to become philosophically grounded. I mean, these days the world's very different. When I was young and, and some of us here joined Prabhupada, it was very, very different than now. I, well, my perception is that a lot of people now, young people now, they have kind of a, a lot of young people have a quasi-philosophical outlook on life that involves... Um, fairness and um, liking people for whoever they are, whatever they are. It's you know it's like a, a some some sense of unconditional love. Okay, you're like that. It works for you. Makes you happy. You haven't hurt it. Don't hurt anybody. It's fine. That's good. It should be encouraged. Um, this type of idea. Um, they, they identify with certain causes like. Environmentalism, and maybe um, you know, be kind to animals, and a lot of times they don't do anything about it except like it on the internet, and you know, press a button. They don't get out there and canvas to help gay people, or or you know, join the Greenpeace or something, or you know, they don't make spend any money on it. They don't spend any time on it. Hmm? But the, the convenience of the Facebook is that. You can feel illusorily, in an illusory sense, that you're part of the change, you know. You're not. You're not doing anything. You're not spending a dime on it. You're not flexing a muscle over it except, you know, click the click board. And other people go, yeah, you're cool too. And I think, there it is, you know. So, um, that's a problem. Anyway, inside that worldview of a lot of young people is, there's a play, and I need to have a spiritual spirituality. I believe in spirituality too, so I want a spirituality in my life also. Hmm? 
And so then you, you look around and you find one, maybe it's Gaudiya Vaishnavism, looks pretty neat. The philosophy got neat ideas. I kind of like those ideas. I like that. The group seems pretty functional and together and progressive or not, but say, let's say it is and so forth. And then sometimes people get involved and, and then something happens in the group and you know, it, it, it's not like working with your other philosophy entirely. Um, and so then, because you haven't joined entirely on the basis of the philosophy, hmm, it had something to do with it. But like I joined because of the philosophy. That's why I somehow, I've told this before, when I joined, somehow this thought came in my mind, if everybody else leaves this, I'm never leaving this. I understand what's being said here. I'm not leaving this. Even if everybody else is, I don't know why that came, but something like that. Hmm? Not everybody, there was more that kind of spirit, I think, and a sense of urgency. A lot of, you know, I've seen a lot of people get involved from, for some philosophical reasons, but for, more so for other reasons. So it's an add-on, in other words. It's not your, your, your whole life. And that's why what I was talking about when I was ta- emphasizing sadhana and giving you know, examples of naked people living in the Himalayas, you know, in a cave. And, I mean, we don't have that type of an austere practice, but that commitment we should apply to our very user-friendly, you know, practice, that type of intensity, that's what it means to be a sadhaka, and make the, the sacrifices and so forth, then you're going to get a taste. Hmm? I mean, uh, and you talk about some maybe older devotees that don't have, they know of times when they did, and you have to tell them, what were you doing then? How are you living your lifestyle? What was it like? Is that impossible to recreate? Hmm? I, I, don't, I don't think so. Hmm? They had a very intense um, uh, situation and sangha for full-time engagement. I mean, it's a full-time job. It really is. Sadhana is a full-time. It's not a part-time job. If you take it up as a part-time job, you're not going to get the results. And as long as it works then on other levels, you're going to continue on with it. But if it's a part-time job, then it's, you know, it's, it's expendable. In other words, you can, you can, you can give it up. If it's a full-time job, it's your identity. You want an identity as a gopa or as a gopi. Get an identity as a sadhaka. That's the beginning. A real identity as a sadhaka. This is what my life revolves around. This is the most important thing. That's why, for example, um, you know, one of the one of the reasons we we, we emphasize tithing for householders. Hmm? It's just an. It's nothing about the money. It's just a. You know, it's about. If you if you give, like a lot of Christian churches do it, you give ten percent. It's a lot of money to give for you know some people. If you make three thousand dollars a month, it's not very much money. You're supposed to give three hundred. Well, you know, there's a will, there's a way, and it and that's going to be like that bill sticks out every month. It's supposed to. That bill is not supposed to be something. You know, you don't even notice it. You're supposed to notice it, Hmm? and then you know you think about it, and yeah, and. I give my money for Vaishnavism here, my disposable income. So I want to be a Vaishnava <laughs> and I want to participate in in those things. And, uh, you know, you, 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 where your money goes, then you, you tend to go too. So there's a principle involved there. And if you want to, uh, if you can't all live together or something like that, Prabhupada had us all living together. And, and it was there, there were certain circumstances. You know. 
that um, allowed that too. It wasn't only Prabhupada's strength, but there were certain circumstances that he came into by Krishna's arrangement, and, and he left before anybody was old enough to think about what happened. Almost, you know, <laughs> and uh, where their kids were. Where are my kids, by the way? <laughs> That's another. So, I mean, it was good what he did and his ideas and everything, uh, but what's happened is just not not just the absence of Prabhupada. It's it's the absence of of other Prabhupada, if you will, with new answers to problems that hadn't arisen yet, that, that would arise in due course, and how to deal with them and adjust, and the fact that um, people's lives change and, and they couldn't householders couldn't just stay in the temple getting five dollars a week, you know, um, from the, from the temple president or something like that. Uh, um, so, I mean, sure, he would have adjusted. Now, you know, unless it's him in person, you know, no one will listen to practical ideas about how to adjust and answer those problems because they're not written in his book, but that's another problem, <laughs> unfortunately, that, uh, that constitutes not understanding that the dynamic nature of the Guru Parampara. But um, anyway, yeah, so that help? Yes. I just wanted to go back to the story you were talking about the gopis who were coming along. Um, yeah. As Sadhana Siddhas. Yeah. And um, how they had been waylaid or checked by their husbands, but then they made some advancement when Uddhava came back. No, what happened was they uh, they, they they were checked, and the Bhagavatam explains that the that which was an impediment within them for meeting with Krishna was absolved or done away with by the um, separation. The separation made their hearts grow fonder, if you will. Hmm? And so then on another occasion they were able to meet with him. And those gopis are referred to in the, the section where Uddhava was speaking with the gopis. It's not that they met him at the time of Uddhava, but at that time they're referred to. Hmm? I forget the verse, and then the Goswamis have put it together. These are those, and they met on another night. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Okay, well, what's the time? 12.30, all right, so. Very nice to meet with you all here in Hillsboro, Hillsboro, Kijai. And I'll be at Sargrahi until the 17th of November, so you're welcome to come and visit us there. See our cows and beautiful Gaur Adamadava and um, calf on the property and so forth. So please try to come and visit. Sriman Mahaprabhu ki jai. Sri Thai Chand ki jai. Sri Sri Radhamadava ki jai. Gaur Bhaktivinda ki jai. Gaur Premanande.